So welcome to the latest podcast uh, with uh, Miro Griffiths, Alison Wilde and myself. We're looking at three films, two features and a short. Uh, I think all of them are involved in the Oscars this year, which is uh, not necessarily a sign of quality, but it's a sign that it'll get a lot of coverage elsewhere. So, uh, So we'll start with Minari, which is the tale of Korean immigrants on basically trying to set up a Korean food farm in the middle of Arkansas, despite the fact it was all filmed in Oklahoma for some strange reason. Anyway, so let's start with Alison Minari. What did you think of it? Um, of three films, by far my favourite. Mm. Um, I, I thought I might cry and I didn't. Uh, but it was quite it, it was quite sentiment, sentimental, uh, but romanticised. But that, that's the bad bits. I I really loved it. I think I, yeah. I, well, I really liked it anyway, uh, and I want to watch it again. I think um, um, to, to see how much I like it. But the things that I really liked about it were um, the youngest child. I think that it was an ex. He was an excellent actor. I loved the way that the film handled his um, impairment, uh, and connected to that, I loved the role that the grandmother had um, in handling um, his impairment and changing the discourse around that he'd been given by his mother. So that that I thought was came over really strongly. Um, I also another thing I really liked about it was the the, the depiction of, of of an older woman. I thought it was absolutely terrific, terrific. Um, so uh, yeah, I, those those are my two favourite things about it. I, I, um, I think the 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 uh, portrayal of the other child was very shallow. Unfortunately, we got no real sense of who she was. But I, 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 th- I think w- one of the things that shone out to me most of all to finish uh, my bit on this is um, I think in lots of ways it, it kept returning to a theme of, of difference and how, and how we handle difference, whether that's religious difference, whether uh, it's cultural and generational difference. And I love the way that all those... Issues kept, kept were never really shoved down your throat, but how they were being played with all, all, all the way through. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was a really good film, and, and of course, I think there were some stunning images in there as well. So it was just really, it, it was a really uh, a cinematic film. Right. Well, I, I I'd say I I enjoyed it. It was far too long. But then everything is far too long for me, so it was it was way too long, but by a long stretch. I think it's it's just over two hours. Uh, I, I I didn't mind the shallowness of the girl, the daughter, because I thought that that was quite how a child of a a parent with another disabled impaired child is often ignored and is marginalised. So I thought that that actually added to that quite nicely. I, I agree with you on a lot of it. I thought the, but I did think there was a lot. There was there were a lot of disability cliches in there. I think that 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 it, that weakened it to some extent. 
the the element of cure to some extent of the child which was implied through the food that the grandmother gave him uh, it, it could have expanded that a bit more on about you know healthy living not living in a city could have been expanded that a little bit more but not in not by adding any more length to the film obviously <laughs> I I thought I did like that idea of difference and how it was all accepted without question, except there were a couple of elements I didn't like. So, for example, there wasn't any racism. And I think Koreans in America experience an awful lot of racism. And I I didn't particularly see any of that. And the only sort of negative thing was the children uh, ridiculing the man carrying the cross when they passed him on the bus. Uh, And I thought, I didn't mind that, but I thought, you know, the idea that you just move somewhere, particularly rural middle America, which has a a kind of history of both intolerance and acceptance, that it it should have had an element of a clash that it just it wasn't there. It wasn't there at all. So I think that that notion of difference, I did quite like the relationship between the parents, which seemed to be breaking down because of different expectations and hopes, i.e. the father having the American dream of wanting to be a landowning, you know, kind of producer, capitalist and whatever, and the mother just wanting to keep uh, keep her head down and stay safe, which would have been strengthened if you'd had an element of anti-Korean if you've had an element of Korean racism, anti-Korean racism, to show why she chose that path uh, uh, and why he wanted something different, and, and I thought that that was a bit that was a bit disappointing. That it didn't build that up a bit more because I think it would have strengthened that narrative. I I quite like the idea of of these different communities that it revealed creating material for their own communities. So he wanted to create Korean food for the Korean food market, which was growing in the cities that that certain numbers of Koreans had go come to. But I but I did generally enjoy it quite a lot. It, it, it was sentimental. It was nice. The little kid was really good. I I think you didn't need him to overhear certain conversations because uh, I, I thought that 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 reeked of a coincidence that you didn't need to to kind of have. You could have had him just knowing that he he they thought he might die rather than him overhearing conversations. Uh, but but otherwise, you know, I would recommend it. I, I wouldn't say it's the best film of the three. That's worrying you, isn't it? I'm not which one of the others. Uh-huh. Gonna lie. <laughs> but I, but I did. I, I thought it had a lot of strengths, and I, I think it was more. I suppose that's the thing about it. It wasn't really that much of a narrative. It was more of a a collection of elements just on a tale about that community, which actually ended up being its strength. But I would have liked a little bit more. Miro. Um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed the film. Uh, I, I think there was a few moments when it was when it was starting to drift, and I and I thought it could have been um, it, some of the scene progressions could have moved on a bit quicker. Uh, what I liked about it, I think there was this kind of metaphor between the the Minari, as in the water salary growing, um, you know, and 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 the the family themselves. So you know, going to a new area, trying to flourish in that new area. So I like that kind of the, the the positioning of the of the of the uh, water salary alongside the family and their attempts to try to 
embed themselves in the in the in in a new area and, and try and flourish there. Um, I suppose I had yeah there was there was some other kind of key themes for me as well. One was this this kind of fragility, not only in relationships but also within the environment. So you had you know the the disaster of trying to grow new vegetation in an area that 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 they were dubious about it being able to grow in that area and then obviously things going wrong and, and the and the, the collapse of the um of the vegetation you also had the kind of concerns over the fragility of the health of the child and hence why you had this repetition of don't run anywhere and you're trying to work out why that is the case um but also the fragility of the relationships as well so you know the, I, I thought that was quite interesting the way it played out between his pursuit of the of the american dream of trying to start up this business alongside um, the wife's frustration towards, you know, not 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 taking her her considerations and her desires and her aspirations for the family into account, um, and so you get those lines around, you know, this is not what you promised me, and um, and the question of whether she was going to leave as well and 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 uh, and separate because of his continuous pursuit for the for the farm. Um, I, I suppose there's, there's there's something around this this kind of the you know the the idea of the American dream. Um, in this film, and I, and I was wondering whether the, the the storytelling was trying to emphasize the the nature of the American dream constantly being um, not not re, not kind of reborn, but you know, I get there's there's moments in the film where you think there's the, the, that the aspirations of what is trying to be achieved by the family or by individuals in the family is not going to happen. But then, but then after that, you know, you expect, then there's a, a demonstration of, of perseverance. And I, and I, I suppose looking back on the film, I was thinking about the beginning, you know, as I go through what, you know, what was going to, what was going to happen at the end. And con- and every time I thought I knew what was going to happen in terms of, you know, they would go back to, they would move away from the area or they would separate or um, the, you know, the, the, the grandparent was going to be very ill. Um, I thought they were going to die and so on. Every time I was surprised by what was happening. So you saw this, this kind of emphasis placed on trying to uh, trying to embed continuity within their actions and within their activities. And I thought that was, that was quite an interesting theme as well going through it. Well, well, I, I, I agree with you to some extent, but equally, I, I think the thing that weakened it for me was that it didn't have the power to explore the issues that I think it wanted to explore. So, for example, it, it was about assimilation over difference, and it was also about re, uh, rejection of the past, rejection of your culture, along with the nostalgia with your culture. So, for example, the the mother wants to go to the church, you know, and then finds out, you know, the reason why people don't go to it is because that's why they left Korea. So she has a nostalgia for that and the food of it. He wants to reject it. The father's rejecting it completely to some extent by becoming the American dream. And I suppose the other thing that I that I suppose weakened it is that again coming back to the to the to the impaired child and that that kind of just is going to get better thing, which which I thought was a bit twee. But equally to me, the ending and the way it ended was fundamentally they were going to fail. They were going to be bankrupt. They were going to have to go back to menial jobs because of the health costs of the grandmother, the burning of the material. So he didn't have anything to go. So actually, that 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 sudden that that kind of bleakness at the end of it, which it has a power and a realism, the sentimentality of the film undermined because to me it ended 
saying that the dream had ended uh, because of all the elements that you'd seen before, that if you took them to their logical conclusion, he'd failed. Uh, and and so I, I, I thought that weakened it by not embracing that or exploring that and left you to, it left you with a degree of hope, actually, that I think the narrative didn't give you. See, I, I saw that differently at the end because I saw at the end when they, when they see how the minority is flourishing and then they're taking cuttings from that, I saw that as, a, as, a, as, a, as an acknowledgement of what would be possible now. So although they pursued a different dream in the sense of growing this wide you know, variety of vegetables and, and selling them to, to local markets and so on, the minari itself and the way it flourishes at the end, the way that they're, they're taking from that, and they, you know, presumably they got to do something with it, whether that's for their own sustenance or, or you know, think about it and expanding it. Um, I saw that, you know, that was that was the new direction of their of their travels, uh, and it was a positive ending for them because, you know, with the influence of their grandmother, who, you know, is questioned. You know, you, you get the questioning of the child saying, "You're not a real grandma. What's your value?" You know, to the family and so on. You then get this recognition that actually, her contribution. No. On the one hand, although she burns down the farm, and and you could argue actually changes then the direction of the family because right before the burning of the of the farm, you've got this possible separation of the parents uh, mm. and the questioning of you know was this a complete disaster to try and pursue this, and then you've got the contribution of the planting of the minari, which then leads to to the bonding of the of the father with the child and making cuttings and and you know the question that has them for legacy and and for the development of their farm. But I don't, I don't know whether. Well, I, I took the ending as being that you, that they are just weeds waiting to be picked off the bank, and and with a little bit of nostalgia for the home country. I, I saw it as a really bleak ending. I'm with Miro, actually. Yeah, just a couple of octopus, aren't you? And I would, I would actually uh, like to say that um, I, I think I, I slightly disagree with you about the racism. It clearly wasn't uh, the the intention to make that a central driving message. But I think it was there. I think it was there, particularly in, in scenes uh, where they met uh, other children. But I think it was also there when he first met um, the, uh, the the religious man too. Um, and I think that situation in America and that, you know, that, that they're struggling, I think it was implicit rather than explicit. Uh, and I did actually read a, re- a review after I watched it, which said that that was one of the more refreshing parts of it. That uh, for me, it's like one of the things that came out of that, which is reasonably novel, is that um, they they were doing all that harking back to their the value of of their own culture, and and not just that, the value of of the Korean culture, uh, the growing value of the Korean Korean culture within uh, the United States. So in a way, it was quite nice. I'm not saying racism shouldn't be addressed, but it's like, well, the choice was clearly there to to talk more about the value of 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 their culture within uh, the, the broader U.S. culture. So, not not sure race, racism writ large needed to be in there. To be honest, well, no, I would say it didn't need to be writ large, but I think it needed to be less subtle to give the whole okay. impetus more power. I'd have said. Yeah, when I watch it again, I'll consider that. <laughs> I'll get back to you and let you know whether you're right or wrong. Oh, I've got a list of ten films for the next podcast you watch. You won't have time to watch that one again. Oh well. <laughs> so 
moving on, and I'm sure this is Alison's favourite movie, <laughs> Feeling Through, which, uh, well, let's, just before we finish on that, do, do you think it is one of the best films you've seen of the year? Because I know it's probably the favourite for the best foreign language Oscar, which is quite Feeling Feeling through it. Oh, no, 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 Minari. Let's just step back to Minari. Do you think it is one of the more powerful films you've seen of the year? Miro. No. <laughs> Alison, just say no and let's move on. I need to watch it twice. I've only watched it once. God, I, love I, your, I, I love your dedication of watching stuff twice. <laughs> Not as many as I want to, so I, I, I'm not sure I'm, I'm best person to see that. I've got a list of about 20 films I intended to watch, which I haven't done, so no, no comment. All right. Feeling Through, which is a late-night encounter on a New York City street, leads to a profound connection between a teen in, a teen in need and a deaf-blind man. That doesn't work good on a podcast, shaking your head, Alison. Uh, <laughs> it's executive produced by Marley Maitlin, who won an Oscar as a deaf actor for Children of a Lesser God many, many years ago. So I'm going to let you start on this, Alison, because I know you you've uh, you messaged me saying, oh, I've got lots to say about this one. So go. Yeah, lots of, a disproportionate to the length of the film. Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, 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 where to begin, really. Um, it, At the beginning. <laughs> it, there is no beginning. It, 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 to me, it had a lot of the same problems as The Silent Child, which I know a lot of people loved, um, uh, in that it was... Uh, and I'm, I'm going to start with possibly the most important thing. I think part of the problem with this film for me was that it was done with really, really good intent uh, from a person who was inspired by his... Um, by his chance meeting with a deafblind person and, and therefore wanted to do a film about it. This, for me, this always rings alarm bells. And <laughs> we, we, no, we get this with things like Wonder, we get it with Me Before You. This is just such a, oh my, my goodness, this is going to be a bad film. But having said that, I didn't find that out till afterwards. There's, interesting, there's a documentary about the making of it. I don't know if you've seen that, but I, I, I was still... Mira has. Pardon? Mira has. I didn't, I didn't bother. All right. No, I'm not surprised. So I really, I thought it was going to be really good. I really liked, um, I'm sorry, I do. The the person it was really about was the non-disabled young man. Can you hear me? Because I know the connections. Uh, That's who it was really about. It was about his journey. It wasn't about the deafblind man. So why make, you know, it doesn't match with with the director and the writer's uh, thing to make a film about a deafblind man. It's just a crutch for 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 the other guy for his journey from somebody who won't give money to a homeless man to somebody who suddenly after meeting a deafblind man is is um is a better person. So that that is a, is at the centre of this. Secondly, um, I think. I'm getting a, a little bit fed up of of like oh there's a there's a real there's a real deaf person there's a real deaf blind person in it. Of course, this is now being like oh praise for the fact it's the first deaf blind actor, but it's not an actor. And even though I know that there's been many many films with non actors in, these are usually 
these usually aren't white or uh, um, non-disabled actors. These are these are people such as disabled people uh, and uh, uh, brown or black people who who are you know oh we need to go out and get an authentic person. What about all the disabled actors? If, if we're going to have a person with a real impairment there, what about the real actors? I know there are deafblind actors, so why did they go and recruit somebody who works in a kitchen to do this? Um, not, not that I have any problems with him myself. Uh, so those, that's my major beef with it all, is that the narrative was all about um, somebody becoming a better person through meeting uh, this character. And like I said, the same thing could be said of the silent child, uh, which I actually thought the story there was really poor. It was just about awareness raising and be nice to these people. So I'm done for now. <laughs> well, let Miro come in with his wise words. Uh, no, similar to Alison, really. I, I, I really didn't enjoy this film. Um, and I watched the documentary as well, which was, which was even worse. Uh, there was, I, I'm trying to think of what to add really to Alison's point. There was, there was also some scenes that really troubled me, uh, really. So, you know, the, the moment when the, when the non-disabled person takes the money out of his wallet, and it's almost played out like that's okay because then he gives it to a homeless person, <laughs> even though he is he has taken money off somebody without their permission, which is bizarre. And also, he's, the fact he's, that he's learned a lesson. He's yeah. learned a, a human lesson. Come on. <laughs> uh, yeah, but then, but then equally as well, you've got this invasion of privacy when the you know, the deafblind uh, character is asleep at the bus stop. And then the non-table character just go, just starts reading all this all this <laughs> notepad and starts reading those notes again to kind of gain inspiration and realize that this person has a life. But yeah, it's used as Al said as a crux to you know to hold up the his his enlightenment journey. Um, I, I thought it was really it was oh and also sorry, the other scene that really got to me was at the end when he puts him on the bus and he looks at all the passengers and they're all giving the smile to say like you know like you. It, it, what you've done is, you know, is a truly remarkable thing in your life. I, it, this was just so bad. And if it, I'll tell you what, if it wins an Oscar for short film, I, what, what hope do we have? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Absolutely diabolical. So, so you, neither of you see any redeeming features to it. What about the fact that it was, it was executive produced by a deaf person who is fully ensconced in, in, in the deaf cultural movement? Surely that, that, that should give it some credibility. It gives him less credibility. <laughs> 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 Actually, that, that brings another point up. In the documentary, uh, like there's, there is this assumption that um, deafblind people are completely blind. And, of course, that, that guy who played that, when you look at the documentary, can actually – people sign to him, uh, not just on his hand, but from a distance in the right light – and, and we've got none of that nuance that actually applies in his real life. And it's like, if you're really going to raise awareness, why not, why not, you know, do things like that, which, which a lot of people like, you know, or oh, somebody's, somebody's registered blind, that means they can't see it all. Why not go into that territory? There was also just to just, just mention something from the documentary. What really perplexed me as well is it almost, the documentary almost, for me, it almost felt like they were trying to do the Helen Keller's Institute a favor by you know picking somebody from that center and then doing the doing the rehearsals there. So rather than recognizing that you know you've got this person who's got on equal footing 
within within the within the the you know the whole makeup of an organization of the of the short film. It almost felt like you know they were going to Helen Keller to, so he could get a quick break from his usual practices and work within the within the center, and then do this little activity of rehearsal, then go back to that, and they'll pick him up later when they have to take him to, to this to the set to film it to the location to film it. It there was just so. I just felt so really uncomfortable, and if you know, raising a question about how you know having a disabled person or a deaf person is, is ensconced within you know the the, the the culture and issues, it just shows you that some of some of us within our movements are not are not doing us any favors. No, no. I, I, well, I, I'm not going to defend it in the slightest, obviously, because because it because it was dreadful. Uh, it, it was full of cliches. It, it was meant to be two of the worst possible things, which was an inspirational film, as well as however bad you feel, there's someone worse off than you. And that was black to disability. Absolutely. And you thought, fucking hell, this is this is just wrong on every level. Uh, and I, I think it's very difficult because if you get someone like Marley Malin, and I really like Marley Malin, uh, you know, it's very difficult because she is a role model and she is an inspiration to many deaf actors. And, 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 and I, I, I imagine that uh, it was about she wanted to create and participate in something that would inspire people. But this is entirely in the wrong way. You can't imagine a worse way to do it. Uh, I think it, it, it suffers from all of those things that, that the pair of you said, the invasion of privacy, you know, it, the, the theft, the legitimacy of it, the the patronisingness of it. Uh, it. But equally, it didn't capture any of of the kind of anxiety of being that in a city or the benefits of that, that you don't feel the anxiety of the dark corners, the alleyways, the, the, the sights, the sounds of other people, which I thought would have been a quite a nice twist that often, you know, I've been in cities at night and I, I'm incredibly anxious about, you know, you see someone or you hear a sound and whatever, and actually the, the idea of a story where perhaps you are completely relaxed because you don't see or hear of those constructions of anxiety in you as, as, as a human being who is frail by the very fact that you're a human being, not because you have an impairment. And, and I thought that that was what I was hoping for. But this was just this was just awful. On, on every level. And I, I, I think it's your, both of you, it's your own fault for watching the documentary. <laughs> <laughs> you should have known better. <laughs> it was irredeemable. So I think we'll leave that one to the side and, and uh, Miro can have his glass of champagne when it wins best short film. <laughs> so Sound of Metal. We're going to let uh, Miro start on this one. Oh, no, you wanted me to start on this one. I'll start on this one. I, I have very rarely felt as depressed as I did after watching this film, but in a good way. I, it, it pandered to my existential nihilism of living in a way that, that I did quite enjoy. <clears throat> Obviously, it was far too long, <laughs> as all of these films are, even the short film was far too long. But it, it, 
I I think it had some really good elements, and it's always good to see uh, a guy from Wembley and a and a and a lass from Barnsley playing uh, Americans, which is just really bizarre. But uh, I, I quite liked the the whole is that whole idea of rejection and assimilation that I think it has a lot in common with Minari about the culture, joining a different culture. Do you reject it? Are you nostalgic for the other ones? Is it assimilation? What, 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 what do you want as a human being? And, and actually you, you begin to see that you were never part of anything because human beings have constructed so many things to create absolute barriers between us all uh, and and the bleakness of the ending of the film which was in no way positive about deafness or hearing or kind of assimilation through cochlear implants but actually we're fucked i i really quite like that miro we'll talk about it a bit more in a minute but miro um, I, yeah, I did. Yeah, I thought it was was quite fairly quite a sad film, really. Uh, I have some problems with it though. Um, so even though you know we acknowledge it, it may be too long, I thought its pace was quite accelerated when it's trying to deal with with kind of um, you know complex issues that many of us within the sale people's community or deaf and sale people's community have struggled with in terms of getting access to services and so on. So you immediately see the next day he's able to go to the doctors to get a, to get a test. Then he immediately gets access to, uh, you know, uh, availability to engage with, with, with uh, support programs and so on. So for, so for me, it was, it was it, that, that unsettled me a little bit and I couldn't, so I, I struggled then to kind of immerse myself fully within, within the storyline. I also have a little f- problems in terms of, and again, I'd be interested to hear both of your view on this. The 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 the, the peripheral characters who were who were, who belong to the deaf community, that there was no recognition of their backstory of them as individuals, and it was a, and I was worried whether they were just being used in order to support the the progression of his own story within that. Um, there was some, yeah, there was a few things that were quite interesting. So I I I. I I was interested by the the, the the supporting actor in the story, um, and the way that he's trying to move and shift the focus away from from cure. Uh, to, but the problem with then is it falls into a trap of saying it's all about mindset. So if you change the way you think about yourself, you'll you'll be okay. And of course, on one hand, there isn't important about your identity and and the way that you uh, associate yourselves with 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 groups, particularly if you've acquired impairments. But again, there's also the, the 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 material and discursive factors due to the way society is organised that that creates the marginalisation, and there was no there was no real emphasis on that, other than this kind of play playing with the idea of whether cure is 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 uh, a, is a desirable outcome to try to achieve. And I think that's my problem with the end as well. So rather than it being about him recognising that he was an outsider when trying to fit in with the cochlear implants in that in that party. The response wasn't to actually recognize the transition into a new identity, into a new community, where there will be uh, opportunities for solidarity and so on. Actually, it was about him gaining the stillness and gaining this peacefulness that comes from from taking off his, uh, his cochlear implant and hearing nothing. And I thought 
that was problematic because it, for me it then framed it as the pursuit is one about you being okay with yourself rather than thinking about the importance of solidarity and community um there's also i think there was something interesting which i wanted them to kind of engage with a little bit more which was this idea of addiction so so they give they give them a backstory of having a drug addiction addiction but then that's not necessarily reflected at all in the later parts of the story other than very you know peripheral um but also there's this thing isn't there, about when you play that alongside this desire for hearing and then of course if we think about our society so often you hear these lines of oh i'd, I'd, I'd hate to be deaf or i'd hate to to, to be blind and so on. So actually there's this addiction to hearing, there's addiction to sight, to having the senses, to retaining, uh, you know, all, all normative functioning. And I thought that was not, you know, that, that could have been played out a little bit more. I thought this idea of addiction to, to cure and to, and to normative functioning and to, you know, belonging to a sense of, of being able, being able to exist as, as is, based on our ideas of conformity and normality. Alison. Um, it's a strange one because I, um, I I set out liking it a, a great deal. I thought um, it offered lots of things I've, I've not seen on, on film before. Um, uh, again, I thought it was quite, quite cinematic as well. Uh, I, I did. I did like the main actor, uh, but I did feel that, um, notwithstanding some of the things that your mirror said, um, a bit films anyway. In that, um, I, I didn't see the point of. Uh, can you hear me? By the way, because yep. the connections are several. Yep. Start um, that bit again. Um, I thought when he went to France uh, to find her. It just it all seemed irrelevant. She, she, the, the, the usual thing of having the disabled person or the deaf person. So surrounding this, she served no real purpose. It could have we could have actually got to the end bit. We could have gone had him going for the cochlear implant and got to the end bit without any of that. So I think that was really quite messy. Uh, favorite film of mine, uh, and I think lots of missed opportunities there. Um, uh, strangely, uh, uh, the, the the silent bit at the end, uh, I found. I, I really thought I missed out on that because I do suffer sometimes quite badly with tinnitus and it's never silenced to me. And I think the director of the film, actually, uh, that again, that played a part in, in the right. Writing for me just as a, as a, as a view. Working person really uh, without hearing impairments to um, appreciate that that's an impairment, and I think that the treatment of that was treated quite lazily uh, because what did it say about impairment? Uh, uh, 
uh, uh, it, not nothing really. It was almost a given, whereas deafness wasn't. So I, I, I did. I, I wanted great things for the for him living in the deaf community, and to some extent that seemed to be coming about. I think there's some br- really brave decisions made about you know um, uh, uh, just watching people. people signing and not, not not knowing what was going on. And then, of course, sorry to go back to it, because I don't particularly always think that um, actors should have that impairment. But then I found out that actually so few of those actors um, Um, actors, and they were not even not even the the, the uh, leading person in in the institution. Uh, so again, what, what, why did they make that decision? Why did they make that casting decision? I, I, I don't understand. So so I think it could have been a really really good film, and I think it missed its target. It, it, it's funny you say that because because I get what you're saying with a lot of it, but but I think uh, coming back to uh, Miro's thing about addiction, uh, and I I I took it as it was a film about addiction to life, wanting to be addicted to life, and actually life will always disappoint you unless you become an addict to it because it is just empty and shallow. And that to me is what the party in in France slash Belgium, which I obviously blinked that they went to France. I, I, I sort of suddenly thought, what the fuck are you doing in France? <laughs> which just seemed a little bit random to me. And I thought he'd gone to New York, but it didn't really matter. Uh, I presume it had some French money in it or Belgian money, in fact. Uh, so, but, but I... I I did quite like that it basically uh, – I, I really enjoyed, and in fact, to me, it was the best part of the movie, was at the party, actually, at the mansion of the father, where you suddenly uh, – your belief in community, life, equality, you realise it's an addiction – and that the reality is, is you are alone and isolated from everybody else. And they all were as well, but they were just too busy enjoying their addiction. And I, I really liked the way he pulled back I, I, because and it made it about him as a human being. And I thought that that's because it wasn't about his appearance, which again, that kind of party would have had problems with his whole appearance, as well as the two things sticking outside of his head, which seemed to not be relevant in the way anybody looked at him and talked to him. But it was about him as a human being that when you've experienced, you know, it, it's a bit like Rutger Hauer in uh, Blade Runner, you know, I've seen things you you can only ever dream of time to die. And it was that kind of moment within, within that narrative, and which I thought was incredibly powerful. And I completely sympathise with. And, and, and I read that they, they filmed it in, in chronological order. So, so the girlfriend left for a long period of time and she came back and they'd all become friends and there was a bit of distance there. And then the breakdown of that relationship, because he had, he'd experienced another form of life that meant that how you continue to live is so different that you're outside all of the time. And 
you don't want others to do that because it isn't good. But equally, you begin to understand that they're all living an illusion of normality or whatever it is in their addiction to life. And so I, I thought it had... I, I thought that the ending was really powerful because it wasn't about saying, I want to be deaf. It wasn't about saying, I don't want to hear. It's kind of like I've seen the the truth to some extent and, and this is life, that it's just a collection of images and noises. Miro. Um, I was just going to say, I think it does raise an interesting question really because when I saw the scene in in the in the party in France in the garden, and then you you align that with his interactions around the dinner table in the in the close off community, you know, you, you on the one hand, you know, you see him being quite active within the within the the deaf community at the dinner table, all talking like when he's been there for a while, and yet he still feels like an outsider. Hence, why he wants to go and pursue this idea of um of the cochlear implants and then of course it, it you know it's not working and and, and everything that you as you uh, everything that you've touched on there um and so again so trying to trying to engage in that party and not being part of it and not having any access to it and i think that also raises an interesting point about the way that cochlear implants are, are positioned within the film because often they are perceived to be this kind of uh, miracle status that you're going to have complete hearing and you see all these kind of inspirational Porn, pornographic films of of children being able to hear for the first time and how wonderful that is and of course it, I think the, the way that they 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 highlight that actually is it's not it's not you know very useful it actually can exclude you from environments and of course it goes it goes to that question of once you know once you get to the end of the film and you're kind of reflecting on his on his journey through it it's that question of well you know you can have complete access to language within this clo- within this community through the sign language living in the, living in that area or you can try to have a you know a partial status of using of using uh, implant in order to be part of that uh, of, of that of that community who are or the hearing community but yet still not you know, not being able to communicate and not having access to that so I thought that was quite interesting the way that it, it, it positioned that question of well, is it about your pursuit for total access of of language and and dialogue, or is it actually about trying to trying to try, trying to fit in and pass for a community that expects you to have these this function and yet you remain on the outside always? To to me, the best thing about that party scene uh, was, uh, and again that 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 falling back and realizing it wasn't about the fact that he was deaf. It wasn't about the fact that he was a bloke who was tattooed and into heavy metal. It it was about a realization of. As a human being, you you are addicted to all of the things that you think are going to make you f- fit in. They're going to think that are going to make you normal. That are, you think are going to make you happy, and they're all an illusion. And and once you do that, in a way, a weight is lifted, and it's not a matter of noise or silence. It's just that awareness it's it, i thought it was totally existential that i just really really enjoyed but i did like the cochlear in part thing that you've just said that it it's it sort of 
this idea of the fantasy. And it was all part of it, like, because, again, his wealth, it wasn't just about the cochlear implant. It was about the wealth that he wanted, all the life that he wanted. It was all an illusion that would never be able to deliver or give him or fulfill his addiction. And actually, he, he learned to move on, which is what I think at the end, there is, a, there is a danger that moves towards suicide. And, you know, I, I don't believe that at all. But I, I, I thought that was such an emotional impact from the party to the end bit that I, I, thought, I thought it was really good. Right. So, well, thank you, all, all of us, you, Miro, Alison. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always. And we'll see you at the next podcast.